Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week of dog-powered sports. Today, we have another awesome guest for you. Her name is Emily Ford, and she is a longtime dog lover and adventure seeker. Emily recently made history as the first woman to have winter through hiked the Ice Age Trail. She also made history as the first black woman to have through hiked the Ice Age Trail. The Ice Age Trail is a 1200 mile trail in Wisconsin, and she canny hiked with an Alaskan Husky named Diggins. And the two of them spent 10 weeks this past winter navigating the trails together as a team. Before we get started and dive in, I wanna take a brief moment and say thank you to a few of you. We have gotten a few lovely reviews, so we want to do a quick shout out. Mad Rev CXY says the Reactive Dogs episode had great stories and great advice on how to manage my dog in everyday situations. Loved the comparisons of stress for the dogs that we would feel as owners. That is great news. I'm really glad. Oftentimes in dog training, it can be hard to understand what the dogs are going through, but if we can take a moment and put things in comparison that often helps us realize what they might be experiencing and gives us a little more insight as to how we should respond and why we should respond in certain ways. I hope that it gave you some great tips to manage your dog in situations because reactive dogs absolutely can enjoy the sport. There's just a few things we need to be thinking about and be mindful of. So I'm glad that that episode was helpful for you. We also got a great review from NASTN8, who left a five-star review saying, Chelsea is so knowledgeable and well-spoken. That's very nice of you. It's very interesting to listen to her and her guests discuss the world of dog-powered sports. It's great for those of all levels looking to learn more about how to get outside and enhance their relationship with their dogs. I mean, you nailed it on the head. We've had some awesome guests that have been willing to take time out of their day and share their stories and their tips with us. And that's what it's all about. We are just trying to help improve the relationship between you and your dog because the more you can do with them, the better you train them, the better that relationship is gonna be. And for Dog Powered Sports, it's gonna make you a stronger team. So I'm glad that you have found it helpful and thank you for that review. We also got a five-star review from TGA13. I bike jor and ski jor with my dog and have been loving this podcast. Great training tips, cool interviews, and content that makes me excited to keep enjoying dog-powered sports. And that's perfect. That's what we're looking to do as well is share those stories that make you excited about the sport and inspire you to maybe get outside your comfort zone a little more or even further develop that relationship with your dog. So TGA 13, thank you for that review. If you've been following our podcast along and you're liking what you hear so far, remember that I too like positive reinforcement in the form of five-star reviews. So if you could take a moment and give us a review, it'll help us connect with more dog lovers around the world so that they too can get all of this great content. All right, guys, thank you again. That's all from my end for now. And let's go ahead and dive into this great chat with Emily. Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited. So you started your hike at the end of December, and now you have finished the hike and kind of had some time to settle back into your normal routine. Has what you accomplished settled in yet, or are you still getting used to it? (laughs) Um, 
I think there's like definitely residual things that I'm like, oh, oh yeah. And then when I tell people like, I like kind of try to keep it on the down low now when I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, I just got back from a trip. And they're like, oh yeah, like, where'd you go? And I was like, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, some things like still pop up here and there, but things are slowly, I'm slowly like meshing back into normal life. Yeah, it's hard, I, it's hard though, man. <laughs> I imagine when you spend 10 weeks kind of out on your own in nature to be able to come back, I imagine it takes a little time to settle back in and kind of yeah, digest sure. what you've done. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I originally came across your story because uh, when you were doing this hike, you were actually logging miles for the virtual sled dog race, Iron Paws. And yes. so <laughs> I saw your uh, article pop up there and I was really excited to follow along. And I know that I was not the only one that was inspired by your story because your social media following grew quite a bit. Um, and some of those people even came to see you on the trail while you were out there. What did that feel like? Um, at first, like, it was pretty cool. I was like, oh, this is cool. Then I was just like, this is, it kind of like became like an expectation. And I was like, I don't think I should keep this as an expectation. But then people just kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And I was like, oh these people are like here like ride or die <laughs> like they're gonna do yeah. that again so it was really cool and some of the conversations that I got to have with folks like really turned um like really good and like really solid and I got to hear a lot about their lives and um those are the connections I really appreciate the most um I met a lot of people just like quick for a photo and then they would leave um but I really love getting to know people and I got to know yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, that's really cool that you got to kind of share the trail with them. And it looks like they might have, you know, left you signs of encouragement and snacks yeah. along the way. Yeah, it was awesome. And like, especially the little kids, they're so funny. And just like, I think I posted about this, but there's like a little kid that's like, oh, like, you have to hike this hike yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. And I was like, <laughs> it like, there was like written on a poster. And I was like, dude, you're right. You're like that's right. real life that is like, that that's me just me on the trail that's just being an adult actually <laughs> like, honestly I wish that kid like that kid has no idea like what they wrote down because a lot of adults just need to hear that I think like nobody's gonna do your life for you you have yeah. to do your own tax like you have to find somebody to do your own taxes or do your taxes yourself yes <laughs> coming out of tax season that feels really real right now too <laughs> So obviously you've inspired people, but where did your love for nature kind of stem from? Were there people in your life that inspired you along the way? Yeah, totally. I like, I don't know. Well, it probably started with my mom, actually. There are pictures of me very, very young, like maybe two feet tall. Mm, that might be a stretch, like a foot and a half tall. <laughs> like I was little, little, like in the garden, you know, and like I was a toddler and um, I have a very clear memory of like, helping my mom plant some corn but I didn't understand that they were supposed to be in rows so I like kind of just like sprinkled them <laughs> and she's like well I guess we're just gonna have corn <laughs> you know <laughs> and so I always loved being in the dirt like that you know yeah. and like getting dirty and then as I became an adolescent I hated bathing anyway so the outdoors was like calling my name from a very early age yeah um, and then my grandparents owned a farm in Nor northern Minnesota and um I spent a lot of time out there. You know, my grandpa had a bunch of, he was growing hybrid poplar trees for paper pulp. And 
So I spent a lot of time like out in the field doing that, but I really didn't go camping um, until my childhood best friend, her family took me camping. And I think we were like maybe like 11 or something mm-hmm. like that. So, but they took me up to the boundary waters with them and it was awesome. Um, yeah. And I didn't, you know, nothing really came of that after that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it didn't transpire until I got a little bit older. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, I mean, it kind of always felt right, you know, to be out in the wilderness. Yeah, it it seems for me like such a stretch. I, my husband and I go camping and hiking, but I mean, the longest trip we've done is like sixty miles. So I can't even imagine what it takes for you to get mentally and physically prepared for something like that, because that's not just a hike. That's not just a trip. You know, that's, that's a long adventure. When did, when did your interest in those longer hikes start to develop? I think as soon as I started backpacking, you know, I moved to Duluth after college several years ago, well, more than several years ago now. I think I've been up here for like, see, Zulu is going to be six, so seven, about seven years now be and um it, it's just like it's so easy to backpack in Duluth like there's trails so close by like the spear hiking trail is everywhere and the first hike I did was like 30 miles backpack mm-hmm. and it was sucked because I had too much stuff everything was heavy and I was so tired yeah. there's so many mosquitoes but it, I don't know there's like something that just told me like it didn't matter you know and I just liked I liked the rest of it Mm-hmm. And then I just kept adding on miles, like I did like 120 miles, and then I did the Superior Hiking Trail 300 miles, and then you know the Ice Age Trail a thousand and some odd miles, and yeah, whatever I have time for, I kind of just want to fit it in, you know. Yeah, a way to escape and disconnect and kind yeah. of find yourself again. Are you often going alone? Or are you going with friends when you're doing, you know, some of your shorter hikes? I just usually take a dog, <laughs> so I have That's my awesome. dog here. Zulu, but, um, and he's very good in three of the four seasons. He's very good in spring, summer, fall. Yeah. Um, but that I didn't take him with on my trip because he sucks in the winter time. Yeah. I like having, a, I like having a dog with, you know, I always tell people like, you know, to do long distances, you certainly, you and to go backpacking. You certainly don't need a dog, but if you have a dog that can handle the trail, mm-hmm. I mean, take it with you. But I also, yeah. I also say that not all breeds are made for long distance backpacking right don't force your dog to you know do a job it doesn't want to do yeah it it takes a toll on them you know and with I think with any dog sport in general we do it because we love it and we do it because they love it you know so that is important for them to not only be physically fit but for them to be mentally fit for it as well absolutely yeah absolutely so when you decided to do the through hike on the Ice Age Trail, was that something that you had wanted to do for a while? Did a friend recommend the trail? How did that trail come into the picture for you? Yeah, I get laid off um, every winter from my job for three months, which is awesome. I love it. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't been backpacking in a couple of years, maybe like two and a half years I hadn't been backpacking. I really just, I knew I wanted to get a good long trail in. Um, but I wanted it to be in the Midwest and a buddy of mine knew about the ice age trail and she recommended it to me one night. And, um, that was kind of that, like, I just, I didn't think of any other trails to do, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is totally the one I'm going to do. So I knew nothing about it though. I knew that I kind of wanted to flash it in a sense Mm -hmm. and not really know a whole lot about it. 
Yeah, so if you do research on the trail and kind of plan out an itinerary as, you know, how many days you're going to do what distances, when you're going to rest. <laughs> we'll get back to rest in a second. But <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yeah. So I, the most research I did was just figuring out my, like, my itinerary as best as I could. And like my, my food drop schedule for, I had a bunch of people help me out with my food drops. They would drive out there and meet me in different places. And um, that was super helpful. So that was as much research as I really did on it. Um, mm -hmm. The rest part, I, I don't, I, still to this day, like I've done so many podcasts and I just like, I, no matter how many times I try to think through why I did what I did, no matter how many people I tell, I still don't know why I gave myself one rest day for 1200 miles that seems uh like not enough <laughs> oh it seems dumb and it was dumb <laughs> like you can call it what it is it was bad um I ended up taking three okay um which I should have taken more but I didn't and, and that's um, just three days of rest where you camp out in the same place you're not moving around doing a I ton of miles yeah I tried to be inside on my zero days so okay. I could like, actually rest inside it's hard to rest in the cold um, yeah yeah um yeah next time yeah I'll make, i will make that mistake twice <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the cold um in wisconsin in the middle of winter i can't imagine the weather was super forgiving for you how did you prepare for the cold or kind of handle the cold and stay safe yeah but the 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 bookends of the trip were actually pretty nice the weather okay. was good um just that middle part, there was a couple, couple of gnarly weeks and it just would not warm up at all. Um, there was one week of those two weeks. It was always in the negative double digits. Oh my gosh. It was, it was really cold. And that was one of the things I knew I really wanted to kind of plan for as best as I could, as, as best as like how much money I had would allow. So mm -hmm. like I really focused a lot of my finances on my sleep system and like just how I would um, manage sleeping in the cold as best as I could. So I, I got a really, really awesome sleeping bag by Western Mountaineering. Mm -hmm. um, and then just making sure like my boots, my feet were okay. Um, yeah. And my hands, right? Like, so like I can throw on layers on the tops and bottoms and like Mitch and match or whatever, but like my hands are so important for what I do for a profession mm -hmm. and my feet, everybody, you know, for those of us who, use our feet the feet are very important you know yeah um and I didn't want to lose any toes on this trip so I really tried to I mean like I was googling I was YouTubing some of the funniest things before I left and just like some of the I just like clearly remember like how do you set up a tent in the middle of a blizzard was like one of the things I was trying to figure out so I had never done that before I had gone winter camping but like you know like when you're going on a weekend you look to the weather right and right. you don't really like if the weather's going to be poor, you're like, ah, oh, let's reschedule for a different weekend. Yeah. Right. But when yeah. you're kind of out in the middle of it, you're kind of just. You have to deal with bit. what you have. Right. Yes. So so let me ask you, Emily, how do you put up a tent <laughs> in a blizzard? You you try to stake down things as you go along. So it doesn't it, blow away. Yeah. You have to figure out. Yeah. And if you have to. And before then, if you can, if there's enough snow you dig out your little area first and you try to build a wall on the windward side of where the wind oh. is coming from. So it kind of blocks okay. it a little bit, but if there's no snow, yeah. a lot of the videos I saw were like in the Arctic 
or like mm-hmm. you know or like in russia like in in more um where the snow is a little bit more consistent and the dude like he just cut the snow with a saw and made like he blocked out the walls but you know over here we don't have snow constantly so i was like All yeah right, and you probably have wet snow a lot of the time too girl i tell you <laughs> oh, man oh the days it was like wet snow i was just like uh, every everything everything was like i, I mean because that just seeps into your outerwear i mean everything gets damp and oh, then yeah. you have to worry about staying dry too so you don't get too cold oh yeah i kept my clothes like in the middle of my bag like they yeah. like i had them in a, I had them in a dry bag yeah in the middle of the bag like and i would not change my clothes unless i was inside my tent yeah very fast that's that's tough so so when you were hiking through snow did you have snowshoes on or did you just hike in your boots i had snowshoes at the beginning but there wasn't much snow and they were kind of a lot to carry because i ditched my polk yeah in the beginning of my trip and so i was like i was like well i guess i'm not going to use these so yeah when it started to snow we just booted it okay but diggins was super good she was really good at breaking trail and she's a lead dog so she refuses to go at the back yeah so Um, let's let's talk about diggins for a minute because she when you guys started your adventure together you were kind of just getting to know one another she wasn't a dog that was living in your house so tell us a little bit about how she came into the picture for you yeah i i was told by a, a buddy of mine who handles sled dogs to post to a mushing group on facebook um and ask if i could borrow a dog like i said because zulu is not winter hardy right right and um one person replied that was diggins's handler um and i did a couple of shakedown trips before with her just to make sure like we would be able mm-hmm. to be okay with each other and they went yeah. really well um she sleeps really well overnight or were they you know a couple yeah, just, days yeah okay. just overnights yeah she sleeps really well in a tent she is very quiet Mm -hmm. um she's mindful unless she hears a rapper or any already any type of food moving (laughs) then i like i like just i would just (laughs) i would like cinch my sleeping bag tight and then just like eat snickers sometimes like try to like (laughs) try to hide it from her well you're yeah she's like i know you're eating (laughs) i know her nose would like come into the little hole well you know like when you were like in high school and you would like try to sneak food under your desk and like slowly yes. open it. Uh-huh. And you're just, like, like maybe I like sticking it to your shirt like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt every time. I like. So yeah, she was really good about that. And so like I said, she's a lead dog. She turned three years old on our trip. So she's, you know, a good age. Mm-hmm. Um, has high, high agility, high energy when she needs to, low energy yeah. when she needs to. Um, and she was great. You know, our trust level built up. Probably the hardest thing with her was, um, besides keeping her on task, mm-hmm. um, because we weren't running. If I were to run this right, she yeah. would have, you know, been so much on task. But walking, you know, gave her brain so much time to look around. <laughs> yeah, and she's got really distracted a lot. Yeah, um, and no command would take her off of a dead rabbit, like or right. just roadkill or a carcass. Like her nose was so good. So that was one of the hardest parts. But another hard part was that she had never been walking in a city before, right? Yeah. Like she, you know, she lives at a kennel and then, you know, she's put in a, you know, in her crate and then she's transported to wherever she's going to race. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's not really 
you know, trotting around town with the rest of her pack, you know? Yeah. And so like, she got her foot caught in a sewer grate. Like she didn't oh. know to, she didn't know to walk around it or over it, you know, she right. just, her foot just went just thunk, like right into it. And I was like, dude, you, I'm like, you can't do that. You know, like <laughs> life lessons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I always compare her to buddy, the elf from elf yes. because yep. literally any anything that was like new to her she's like you know or if, have you ever seen um oh god it's uh nightmare before christmas you see yes that? and jack yep. jack skeleton's like what's this what's this <laughs> like it was like her going through the city and just sniffing everything <laughs> you know yeah so those are that's some- good though that she had a sense of like curiosity about it you know oh. versus fear while she was out we only had one we only had one bad day where cars for some reason we were in a town and cars she was just not driving with the cars that were going by yeah um but yeah i'm super thankful she wasn't trying to you know chase vehicles or she mm-hmm. you know dart the other way aggressively she just you know, stayed on task so that was really good yeah. Now, when you've done your other hikes with your dog, I know you canny hiked this one with her and Harness. Have you done that with your other dog or was this the first time that you tackled it this way? Okay. New experience for you two then. Zulu is so bad with a harness on. Because I was going to, I was, my hope with, when I got him was to Skajor, mm-hmm. even though he's, you know, more of a hound breed. But I mean, right. tons of hounds, tons of hounds. Um, yeah. Pole. Um, no, as soon as a harness goes on him, it is lights out. He refuses to move. Aww. He refuses. <laughs> so he's off he's off leash when we go backpacking. Um, which okay. is really nice. He's not tethered to me at all. So yeah, yeah, it was new for me. Um I had gone dog sledding before. I knew I know quite a few people who skajor. So mm-hmm. it's not like it was foreign. It was right. You know. I know I know about you know dog powered sports. Yeah. Yeah. So were there certain challenges then since, since you're used to having the dog with you, but off leash, were there certain challenges then with having her on a, a line out in front of you and harness? What was the biggest difference do you think for you? Nothing, nothing that was glaring aside from her curiosity, right? You yeah. Know, if it was slippery, well, if it was slippery and going downhill, she was mm-hmm. so goofy. She, I think because in her mind, she wouldn't ever really pull hard uphill, but she would always go very fast downhill. And I think that's just from having a sled behind her and a whole bunch of other yeah. dogs. And I think in her mind, if she doesn't feel that tension behind her, that means the sled and other dogs are getting too close to her. Um, and so we would always, I would always have to really ease her downhills. Yeah. Yeah. But other yeah. than that, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, and did I maybe potentially see some exciting news that she has officially joined your household? Yes, yes, she has. She is here, and she is learning how to be a house dog, and she, I think she loves it, to be honest. Yeah. And we'll schedule, and we'll, we have another hike coming down the pike for the winter, um, and we'll, we'll get her out plenty this winter. But um, for yeah. now, she's really, she's loving the indoor life. Anytime she's outside... She, you know, because she she knows to go pee outside now. And like yeah. anytime she's like, all right, I'm done. Let's go back inside. <laughs> you know, like, oh, she's let's, like, let's go. go back in the fun place where we hang out. <laughs> let's go into that warm place where there's never weather. <laughs> you know, there's beds I can lay on. There's floors. I can, there's, 
there's a ball I can play with. There's puzzles <laughs> I get to do. You know, she's just, she's very excited about, she's like, and you're there. You're there. So I want to be there. And Flo's there. So I want to be there. <laughs> you know, she's very funny. That's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet to be able to watch her, you know, kind of grow with yeah. you still at a, at a new level because yeah. time on the trail with her, you guys got to know each other yeah. and, you know, being back home is a whole nother journey for the two of you. It's very, yeah. If you think of any, if you know any sled dogs, I think they, in, I think they become very good house dogs, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big transition. It's a big transition. Totally. It's like living in the wild for your whole life and then being confined to a house. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a lot more rules. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more rules and a lot more walls. And a, <laughs> a lot, lot more, more structure. She runs into a lot of things with her head. It, not head on, but she'll turn her head. And she, she doesn't lift her nose. She'll just smack right into it and then, you know... <laughs> She's totally, she's just, she's fine with it. It doesn't phase her at all. But I'm like, dude, you know, there's stuff behind you. I know you can feel it with your body, but you just turn she, into it she's anyway. She's like, I'm still not used to it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So when you and Diggins were out on the trail together, what, walk us through like what a normal day would look like for you guys. How many miles you're doing, when you're waking up, that sure. kind of thing. Uh, what time did we wake up? six something it's all a blur at this point i remember wanting to be on the trail by like 7 seven thirty, but i would wake up and instantly start eating after i hit my after i like hit the pause button on my alarm yeah. the snooze button yeah <laughs> and then like i would start eating right away which means diggins would be awake and then while i was eating um i would try to get dressed in my sleeping mm-hmm. bag um get my clothes on that way possible yeah get a lot of our stuff packed up and i think you know near the middle slash the end diggins learned that she could just go back to sleep at this point so she would be sleeping while i kind of pack stuff up while i was in my sleeping bag get us out i'd get her fed and pack up the house and get her all dressed and ready to go um so she had her ex back on her harness and then she Mm -hmm. carried her own pack as well um which was nice. She also has a, co- she had a coat as well, but I think we only used it once, maybe twice. And then she did have booties, but um, only used that when we were going through deep snow to kind of keep the snow out of her paws. Right. And then we would hike, um, hike for a couple hours and then take a break and eat some snacks, hike mm-hmm. again, eat some snacks, um, hike between eight and 10 hours, um, which kind of equated to 15 to 22 miles okay um and then i just reverse that i set up the house feed diggins yeah feed myself get into bed get dressed pass out just yeah pass out that was and that, that's all we did we did that for almost 70 days yeah <laughs> did you have any games that you would play with yourself or music that you'd listen to to kind of keep yourself you know focused and upbeat with a positive attitude while you were out there walking for so long oh no um we didn't listen to anything i would sing yeah um a lot i sang a lot um and i would just process i just process a lot of stuff here's you know here's the thing about bringing a dog with you on a trip right and um, 
uh, I think this is really helpful. And I think a lot of people who even are just dog owners and don't like race them or anything like that or run them or whatever, they're just really easy to process a lot of life stuff with. Yeah, they are. You know, and, you know, when you have 24 hours a day that you can process with a dog every single day for two and a half months, you can really process a lot. And that's when there wasn't anybody else around. That's kind of what I spent my time doing. Yeah. Yeah. When you were out there, what, what, what do you think was your biggest challenge and that like terrain wise or attitude wise or injury wise, what kind of gave you the biggest hold up while you were out there? Yeah, I think like the mental block of comparison, there was a dude who did this trail before me, Mike Summers. Um, and I only I read a couple things on him and so like everything I was doing I was like trying to compare like my mileage to him my days to him my everything to him and I it's so it's so funny now um looking back on it because Mike and I have been talking um now monthly that's pretty cool we talk for like three hours at a time so it's really cool um and like hearing about his trip our trips were actually exceptionally similar and we both experienced the same thing. Like we both stayed inside a lot. Like I was kicking myself so many times when I was staying inside on cold nights. Like I was like, you're supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be backpacking this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, why did you say yes to these people who offer and like all this dumb mental stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, just like letting that go and getting over that. Because yeah. when, you, when you solo hike, right? Like you, you are, you are, it's you, man. Like it's you, mm-hmm. you're by yourself, like you're calling the shots, you're making the decisions, you're kicking yourself or you're picking yourself up. Like there's nobody else around there to do that for you. So I was kicking myself for a little while. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of human nature. You know, we're always going to be there comparing or, you know, even as a positive reinforcement dog trainer, right? Like I'm literally trained to see the positives and everything. Right. But I'm, I'm my harshest critic always, you know? And so I, I can absolutely understand how being out there by yourself you know, it could be easy to get stuck in that mode, yeah. but then to be able to identify that and go, Hey, I got to stop doing this. It's going to bring me down, you know, and then start building yourself back up again. I imagine took some practice. Yes. Yeah. And I don't even know if I really mastered it by the end. I think yeah. I could have spent, <laughs> you know, many more months out there yeah. before I even master it. Yeah, I, it takes a while. <laughs> I'm still working yeah. on it myself. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So on the positive side of that, what what do you remember the most? Like, what sticks out for you as a highlight? Of course, besides successfully completing it, yeah. <laughs> surviving without frostbite. Yeah. Oh, I did get a little bit of frostbite. Oh no! I have some gnarly scars on my on my old backside, on my butt. It's really rough. Um, I. I really have fond memories of some of the people that I got to meet and really some of the people that I got to stay with. Um, and it's so funny, the things I remember, like they're like distinct hard moments that I remember. Um, like just chugging it through like two foot deep snow and just like going so incredibly slow. Yeah. You know, like just so incredibly slow. Um, and then I, then I remember like hanging out with these elementary school kids, right? So like I went to go visit a bunch of elementary kids a couple times and um, they were so funny. Like they were so funny. 
and their questions were so good and just like unabashedly honest right yeah like I remember this kid was like do you ever get bored out there and I was like yes all the time I get bored while backpacking (laughs) and no adult would ever ask that question and I love that you asked that question yeah honest stripped down no stress no concern about it just you get bored (laughs) totally and then, and then his first, he's like, he's like, yeah, okay, cool. And then like, I don't know, he went back to like being distracted. And I was like, kids yeah. are so funny. Um, now were these kids and, and people that you met, um, were they planned ahead of time that you were going to stop and see them or were they, you were just on the trail and they happened to be kind of at one of the towns you went through? Yeah, a lot more transpired as I was going along. So a lot more people contacted me mm-hmm. through social media. And so all the kids I met um, were elementary that were at the elementary school and the Girl Scouts that all transpired after I started my trip. Okay. Um, What about the overnight? So you've mentioned a few times that, you know, you were of course camping along the trail for most of it, but did have some nights, especially when it was colder where you stayed inside. I imagine when it was weather related, those weren't really planned. So how did you go about kind of figuring out where you guys were going to stay? Social media was one of them, right? Okay. So a lot of people were offering for us to stay at their at their house. Um, but three times I found myself kind of in a weird town, mm-hmm. like a really small town. Um, and I would just cold knock on people's doors um, and mostly just ask if I could like find shelter behind um, like a building of theirs mostly. Kind yeah. of just out of the wind. Yep. Wow. That's gotta, that's gotta be kind of intimidating to walk up to a stranger and yeah. ask for that. Yeah. I definitely like had to, I definitely like had to build myself up. Like I would out loud be like, come on, man. Like, come on, like, come on. All you gotta do is just, the worst they can say is no, like you gotta do this. Like the sun, you gotta do this. I'm like, I'm like, just grow a pair. Come on. Like, I just like be walking be like, yeah, yeah. And like, I'd like have these plans. I'm like, all right, I'm going to catch somebody from their car walking to their house and like I'm gonna just catch at that moment and you're gonna do it (laughs) I was like I'd like wimp out and I'm like you've got to find somewhere to stay (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, I mean as the temperature is dropping I can imagine that you're feeling that and then starting to worry about being able to be in that tent overnight yeah well yeah I think I just decided like if I couldn't find somewhere to stay um I would just keep walking yeah mostly moving so that your body would stay warm yeah I didn't see anything else to do I guess yeah yeah (laughs) 10 weeks is a really long time to be out on the trail by yourself so when you were leading up to this or any of your other through hikes that you've done what kind of prep did you do you know physically mentally um you know, survival instinct wise, what kind of stuff do you do to prepare yourself for this? Yeah. Good question. I probably should have prepared more than I did, to be honest. The most, the most like physical preparation, my life is pretty active and pretty physical. So I, I didn't have to train as much as maybe somebody who kind of, you know, sits at a desk all day long, Mm -hmm. um, which is super nice. Um, but the most physical I did was doing several road walks is kind of just as long as I could go for the physical number one, because it's just your body pounding against the pavement just over and over again, but mostly for the mental, because 
road walks are really what kill you <laughs> to mm-hmm. be honest mentally it's just usually like a long road with no end in sight and all you want to do is get off of it um yeah and then just those shakedown trips kind of taking taking you know taking as many notes as i possibly could and mm-hmm. just remembering things like i've goofed up on and doing research honestly because you know winter winter is a little different and one of the things that's really different is the way you cook your food mm-hmm. um, and keeping things from freezing and how your fuel is going to work and like all this stuff so just a lot of research going into forums and asking questions reading what other people have done asking totally. questions do you have mentors that you've kind of reached out to for help on some of this stuff for friends that also enjoy this kind of activity uh i don't the mo i do i did i don't know why i say i don't i totally do um none of them have done anything this long and they're both um they both use dog powered forms so one's mm-hmm. a schedule and one well they both schedule and they both uh, run sleds okay so they've done trips you know like in the boundary waters for weeks and right in the winter but there's kind of a different right when you have a sled you know if you have a team of dogs pulling you can really like they're strong you can pack that bad boy full right of whatever you want and when you're backpacking it's um not exactly the same because you're carrying everything yeah you feel every single ounce <laughs> Yes. And so that was kind of, I, I didn't have anybody um, that lined up exactly, you know? Yeah. When you're, when you're doing these, do you feel like it's a little bit of trial and error too, in the sense that what you learn on one trip, you bring with you on the next? You gotta, you have to. Yeah. That's intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> that's just like, that's just survival. Up, right. That's just intelligence right there. Like there's, you have to and and you know remembering and having grace for yourself and remembering that what worked on one trip may not work on the other trips especially if they're in different seasons right right yeah your summer hike is going to look a lot different than a winter through hike and just you know and just constantly being patient with yourself which i'm sure you know as a trainer like yeah patience with yourself and patience with others and lending grace to yourself and to others is just like it really it really makes or breaks your trip and i think honestly that's I, I always tell people that you're, if you are a generally healthy human, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you have a disability or not. If you're just generally healthy, your body will, you know, your body will physically adapt to the trail. It will. The mental part is so, is, is really the part that you need to train. Yeah. And spend time training um, because that's yeah. that's the, that's the one that will tap out faster. Your your brain will tap out faster than your body will. Yeah. 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 It is. It's hard. You know, it's um we kind of talked about the being able to identify when you're starting to not be in the right headspace and it even to just be mindful enough that that's what's happening. Yeah. That takes time. It totally And then to time. then to even take that next step and go from identifying to starting to change it to pump yourself back up, you know, that's, that's tough and it takes time. And I I feel like it's one of those skills too, that no matter who you are, like, it's always a work in progress. Oh, totally. (laughs) Always. Because new situations are always going to pop up, you know? Yeah. And just, and definitely knowing when to just like take a break. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes like 
sometimes you just can't get yourself to pump yourself up and that's totally yeah. fine if you have the if you have the capacity to take a break take a break yeah <laughs> you know so if somebody who is listening along wants to maybe do a longer hike or a backpacking trip with their dog what are some things that you have found to be really important that you would recommend yeah as far as dog stuff goes um there's a few key things i would i would recommend always to bring with you um one of them is a bear bell for your dog um even mm -hmm. if your dog is tethered to you it just it, it helps keeps things that you don't want at bay yeah. even though you know these animals can smell your you and your dog from miles and miles away it just keeps you safe with that it keeps you safe with other humans as well mm -hmm. um so bear belt they're super cheap it's awesome and even if, if or a bell you know whatever just jingle something that will jingle yeah. on your dog's collar um i use a mush a musher secret for their mm -hmm. paws um keeping their paws healthy um is another thing and then if your dog is able let them carry their own food dog yeah. food is so heavy and be mindful of be mindful that they're going to be burning way more calories than they do sitting at home yeah and just be mindful of you know especially if they're in harness and pulling too yes absolutely and um backpacking really is just glorified walking but it's glorified walking that takes all of the energy out of your body for some reason you know so be mindful. And if, if you don't know how much your dog, how much more you should increase, call a vet, like call mm -hmm. a professional and like ask them, you know, we're doing this many miles a day, blah, 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 whatever. You guys get it. Yeah. yeah. So those are kind of the key things that I would say, you know, for your dog. And if your dog wears booties, you know, bring those with too. Um, if it's the winter, the snow, mm -hmm. the snow pack in their paws is really hard. Yeah. Um, as far as for yourself, uh, you know yourself the best. Um, you know, if you've, if you've never gone backpacking, I mean, I would say find somebody to go with at least once mm -hmm. or, you know, look on, you know, do a lot of research, um, start close to your home or start somewhere where you can, you have an exit plan right away. Um, and then you can go further away. Then all of a sudden you'll be in the middle of nowhere and it'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, but the kind of the same thing applies for yourself that it does for dogs, right? Um, be cautious of the animals that are around you. Um, mm -hmm. Mind your own feet um mind your own food intake and your water mm -hmm. intake um know that you will be burning twice as many calories as you do versus you know when you're sitting on the couch watching netflix yeah um so be mindful that you know sure like it's cool backpacking is also a glorified weight loss program but honestly it's like the worst way to lose weight because you're just hungry all the time it is the yeah. worst weight loss program in the entire world because you just well, you're constantly exercising on tired muscles yes yes it's like if jenny craig went rogue she just never let <laughs> you sleep <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah so what's next on your agenda have you been thinking about your next big trips that you're gonna do you know what other trails you want to check out yeah, I think I'm going to take a bit of a break this winter and do a couple small trails that are close to me here in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to string them together maybe and do like a total of like 500 miles. So something a little bit shorter. Yeah. Um, if I string them all together, if I don't string them together, it would be uh, a little over like 120 miles. Okay. Um, so I think I'm just going to kind of lay low and do that. 
lay low only 500 miles <laughs> yeah you know do something that's a little a little less um arduous so yeah and then you know plan other trips for you know years later i just need mm-hmm. to um i just don't need to do another 1200 miles right now yeah. um and i don't really have the financial resources to do another 1200 miles right now so yeah <laughs> kind of we'll do something shorter and then build up the titty a little bit and then we'll go out again yeah are there any trails that you have like on your bucket list that you know if everything aligned perfectly are there any trails that that you have your eye on somebody somebody several people have mentioned the Oregon Desert Trail and that sounds fantastic um that and also the reason why I'm putting that one off is because I need to learn more about hiking through the desert yeah you know really different than what you've been doing yeah, people were like, oh, weren't you so scared of like being in the cold? And like, I grew up in the snow. I'm born and raised in Minnesota, especially northern Minnesota. Like I've, I've been cold. For some reason, the cold doesn't scare me as much as being in the hot desert. That yeah. like, with those, like, I don't know anything about the animals that are in the desert. Like I, there's so much research I need to do and be aware of. Because um, one of the things for me, right, is... Um, having respect for the land and for the animals that live on the things Mm -hmm. that I'm like hiking through. Like I understand like I'm just a visitor. So like, I don't want to go into like this desert hike being like, yeah, man, I'm from Minnesota. (laughs) Like, uh, I know all this stuff. Like I don't know anything. So that's, that's really in my sights. But honestly, like, I think I'm finding my niche is just like these weird trails that not very many people do. I don't have time to through hike the big three right now. Yeah. You know, the Appalachian, the continental and the Pacific crest. I don't have, time to do those right now maybe one day but yeah. i'll just look to weird little trails for now <laughs> hey that's all right it's a huge feat to accomplish that i'm i had so much fun watching your journey and i know others did too so if anybody wants to follow you along on your next adventures uh i know you're active on instagram and you also share a lot of educational stuff and you've been sharing kind of what you've been packing which has been super interesting do you want to share your handle so that people can find you yeah, you can follow me at Emily on Trail on Instagram. Awesome. Any last tips for our listeners or any last words of wisdom that you, you know, gained from your trip? Yeah, I mean, have fun. I mean, the thing is, is like when you and you probably have said this on this podcast before, like, but when your dog's having fun, you're having fun. And when yeah. you're having fun, your dog is usually having a pretty banging time. Yeah. And you like you're out there doing it together. So like. Just just lean into that, you know, like lean into that and lean into like how your pup is feeling. Cause you'll yeah. jive, you'll, you'll, you'll pretty much become one after yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's one of my favorite things about dog powered sports is, is that you guys really do become one, you know, you're working together as a team. You're both having fun. You're both working your butts off, yeah. right. <laughs> but you're, you do, you learn how to communicate at a completely different level than you do yeah. with other things. Yeah not the nonverbals become unreal. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. Well, Emily, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to chat with us. Sure. I, it was great. It was great. I learned a lot, had a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm sure after that conversation, you guys are just as inspired as I was. And if you're looking to follow Emily along on her next adventures with Diggins the dog, you can follow her on her Instagram account at Emily on trail for adventure photos, as well as packing tips and trail tips.